0: In the deep horizon of the motorcycle world, a white soul rides a mechanical horse with strength. Like an Apache, she has traveled more than half a million miles in five decades. Independent and multi-skilled, her personality seduced many people to the point where she became one of the four emblematic bikers in the successful documentary Biker Women. Recognizable by her style, covered in necklaces and rings and with a striking smile, She is one of the longest-standing members of the Litas Los Angeles chapter and the collective Quest Called Tribe with Tana Roller. Growing up in Los Angeles as an African-American lesbian in the 60s, her love for others and passion for motorcycles gave her the strength to achieve her dreams and inspire other women to realize their own dreams. With her usual energy and joy, she will now share a story with you. Behind the Elder Bar, there is always a story, and our story today is that of an inspiring woman biker, Gavin Facts. Gavin, welcome to Beyond the Elder Bar, the podcast where I talk with inspiring people from around the world who live for motorcycling. And it's a pleasure to have you on this podcast, even if it's quite different than before, because I record this audio while you're giving me your answers on Instagram due to the huge difference of our time zone. So the questions given that no one escapes, which motorcycle did you ride on? And then which motorcycle are you currently riding?
1: Well, that's a loaded question. Um, I currently have five motorcycles. Um, I ride all of them, but they're all set up for different things. So currently, I ride my 2021 Indian Chieftain Dark Horse uh, 116. I also currently ride my 2001 Road King Harley-Davidson that I have 225,000 miles on. I also currently ride my 1999 uh, 883 Hugger Sportster that I just pop around town and sometimes use to commute. Uh, I also have my 1982 Shovelhead Harley-Davidson. FXWG Wide Glide, which I am currently building. And last but not least, I have my XR250R dirt bike that obviously I ride in the dirt whenever I get the chance. So after that, um, what I used to ride, goodness, I started on a uh, moped and then went from the moped to an, uh, a 175 dirt and street combination Honda and then went from that to a 350 twin Honda 1969 And then went from that to the 750 Honda, uh, 1977, and then went from that to my first Harley, which is that shovel head that I was telling about that I built that is now a chopper bobber because I stroked it and chopped it, and now it's a 91-inch stroker.
0: Okay, that's a lot of questions, but that is a lot of motorcycles, so thank you for this answer. So I have another question. What pushed you to enter this motorcycle world?
1: Wow. Um, (laughs) I'm just, I've just always been really adventurous. You know, my, my dad started me on mini bites when I was a little kid and I won my first race against a bunch of little boys. And uh, I never went back after that. I mean, I was, I was doing jumps and, and little wheelies and, and that's where I started. And then I got my moped and then, you know, the rest of the story after that. But um, yeah, I, I've just always been adventurous and I like to get out and ride and, That's what started it was the mini bike. And then once I got the moped, I was like actually mobile away from the house. And then, of course, I just kept getting bigger bikes. I think my parents thought I was going to outgrow it.
0: Okay, so speaking of this adventurous spirit, if we can say that in a way, did you face many obstacles during your professional and personal life, not only as a woman motorcycle rider, but also... As a African American lesbian during the sixties. Wow,
1: well, being an African American female, as you can imagine, um, I yeah, I had to kind of fight my way through a lot of things. I've never, I was never raised to throw out the race card. Um, you know, I always had to work and work very hard. So I, I never thought of the fact that I was African American until I was really faced with that uh, discriminatory situation and I had to go to court and won my case because I was not getting promoted and I had the best numbers in the nation. That's a long story. Um, And then, um, you know, I mean, the fact that being African American, they don't really see you. I was always put in the back of all of the groups, you know, whenever we were doing a shoot or a movie or this and that. And not until the last two decades have I really been recognized for what I've done over, over the many years. And even my uh, Caucasian female riding friends have recognized that as well, because they're like, why aren't you in the Hall of Fame? And it's like, well, I, I don't know. Anyway, there's obvious questions into what that could be. But I've got... Uh, tons of things that I've done over the years. I've done tons of documentaries, far more than a lot of women that have been recognized. But most of those women that have been recognized have been Caucasian. So up until the last probably two decades, everything started to kind of change a bit for me. Everything really changed for me, though, actually in 1995, when I shot a documentary called Biker Women that went worldwide. Um, and then from that for from that time forward, I had more women that were generally Caucasian that had power that lifted me up as well. So all of my uh, movement upward has been uh, done because of women that have backed me. Uh, I've never really got any recognition from men, and men are generally the ones that hold the purse strings. So there's that's another deep situation and another deep conversation.
0: Okay, it's really sad in a way because even in... 2024, there are still people who are put aside because of their sexual orientations, because of their ethnics. And for me, even more in this motorcycle world, we don't have to put people aside or not highlight them because of this uh, difference. And I think it's also not a difference, because if I say that, I put them aside because I say to them that they are different, but they are not, they are not. If we want to um, to say that we are different, maybe we can talk about it when we ride a motorcycle, because we have different motorcycles. We have an Harley, we have an Indian motorcycle, we have an Honda a Yama, etc. Okay, that's the only difference. But in a way which we, j- we are all riders, we are all bikers, and we have to we have to remember it because it's what brought us to enter in this motorcycle. It's that bring us together and not separate from each other. Maybe in a more positive note uh, what was and are your aspirations for this motorcycle
1: world? Okay, presently, my motorcycle aspirations have always been to uh, empower and encourage young women to do something that's out of their comfort zone. And uh, that has served me well over the, the last 45, 50 years because of doing that over the years. Now, again, in the last two decades, I'm starting to get recognition for the fact that I have been advocating for women uh, for for decades now. And now you're seeing younger women uh, getting into the sport because there are men that are becoming more open-minded and realizing that that women, young women and girls, are just as talented on these motorcycles as boys can be. It's just that you have to take an interest in us and you have to back us and support us. If we don't have support, especially from media and monetary support and and skill support we're never going to learn and they're finding out now that we're pretty darn good when it comes to balance Um, we've got a lot of women out there that are great stunt women that are doing lilies that guys have never even been able to do we've got women racers that are winning winning the king of the baggers races we've got flat track runners we've got hooligan runners we've got drag strip runners now that are women and we've got stunt riders that are outperforming the men simply because guys Fathers or sons or uncles or brothers took an interest in the abilities that we had and they're teaching us at a young age, just like men have always had the opportunity. So now we're getting those opportunities and and the uh, trajectory is, is certainly changing over that amount of time.
0: Yeah, and this is exactly the mission the purpose of this podcast is to highlight these women bikers or even male bikers who can't find a solution to be able to live in this motorcycle to make a living thanks to motorcycling. And this is exactly what I want to share in this podcast, to share the story of these unknown women or male bikers who want just to live their dreams, but who don't find these solutions to, to be highlighted. And for me, the podcast is one of the key of their success. Okay, so now I want to know what do you want to share from all this experience you had? What do you want to share for the listeners, but also maybe for women who want to live for motorcycling?
1: I think the one thing that I want to share from all my experiences is, you know, sometimes you have to set your fears aside and you just have to think outside the box and allow yourself to be a little bit of afraid. But the bottom line is, is ask, always ask. And and if you don't get a yes from a person, whether it's a male or a female that's going to support you, just keep asking until you find that person that will support you and teach you and train you, because that's what I did. I just kept asking. And I mean, and I was turned down I can't even count the number of times. Um, If I had quit and thought, well, you know, I'm just never going to be very good at this because nobody wants to help me. um, I would never be at the level that I'm at. Now, if I were different and perhaps maybe not African-American and female, I would have had far more chances to do more things. But um, I just kept fighting and I just kept pushing and I just kept stepping one foot over the other and just kept asking. So I'd say never say die.
0: Okay, my drop, never say die. I hope all the listeners hear that because it's really important. So keep pushing, continue your journey until you find the answers, until you find the solutions to your problem. until you find peace. And I think that's it. So thank you so much. Given the last question I wanted to ask you is where we can follow the rest of your adventures on social networks
1: okay well i'm all over social media um as far as my adventures are concerned you can you can find me i have a youtube channel which um i'm going to be really uh expounding upon in the next uh six weeks uh because i'm actually retiring from teaching and i'm going to be going full-time Motorcycling because I'm a professional motorcyclist now, you know. But you know I had to kind of finagle that with my my regular work job that brought money in. So now that I'm getting a pension, that'll all change and I'll be able to do more things that bring me joy. All of that being music, motorcycling, singing, uh, my leathercraft work, uh, you know, all of that. So as far as my social media uh, pages are, like I said, I've got a YouTube channel. Uh, I also have an Instagram page which is at Sapa Sioux. That's S-A-P-A-S-I-O-U-X. I also have my leather working company, which is Gavintage 57. That's at Gavintage 57, which is G-E V as in Victor, I-N F-A- Sorry, uh T-A-G-E 57. So it's G-E-V-I-N-T-A-G-E 57 and then I also have Lakota Cabin, which is L-A-K-O-T-A Cabin on Instagram as well. And I think that's it. And then, of course, I have my Facebook page, which is Gevin Facts. And then you can find me on my uh, website, www.gevinfax.com. And that's G-E-V-I-N-F-A-X dot com.
0: Okay. Thank you so much, Kevin, for taking this time for this interview to inspire other motorcycle enthusiasts, it was a pleasure chatting on Instagram with you and doing this funny recording. And for you, a listener, if you were passionate about what we talk about in this episode, share all your motorcycle love to give in on the social networks. Also, subscribe to the podcast because we are always writing for a story and the next story could be yours. Give in. See you soon. In the real life, I hope so and I wish you all the best in this motorcycle world.